Coming up with the new CBA outline forming, why Cam Johnson is more critical than ever to the Brooklyn Nets' success going forward. We dive in next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, this is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I'm Adam Armbrecht, and you, of course, can find me breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant podcast and your still playoff-bound New Jersey Devils on the Devils Puck Luck podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms. And let you know today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use Promo code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. And what is also guaranteed for you, the Nets, the NBA at large, is that the upcoming CBA is going to greatly impact the way a lot of teams approach trying to build competitive playoff rosters. And we've mentioned Cam Johnson before, and that's who we're going to focus on here. Because beyond Mikhail Bridges, who we all are ecstatic over the confirmation of what everyone suspected he could be if given the opportunity to get out from underneath other superstars, and he executed that for the Brooklyn Nets, not only in the regular season, but also in the playoffs as well, is how how do you construct this roster going forward and how do you get other players to check those boxes? We know that Nick Claxton is going to be on that list too. He's going to have to find a way to evolve his game or to at least be a more dangerous piece when it comes to the offensive end of the court. We want to see him be able to be a player that can hold that ball, ball, uh, ball excuse me, in the low post and distribute and turn and face up and attack all the areas of this game that we've seen grow. But in the case of Mikhail Bridges, in the case of Cam Johnson, these are the new faces that have come in. And in the case of Cam Johnson specifically, he's the face that also has a contract coming up. And we've discussed how is 18, 20, 22, what is that number going to look like and is it worth it? So before we talk about what he needs, what what he could be earning, excuse me, and why it matters to the Brooklyn Nets when we look at the CBA that's coming up, because the NBA is trying to get more restrictive around these big swings, form big threes like the Brooklyn Nets did, like the Miami Heat did years ago, like the Warriors in an organic way have done, but they want to prevent just making these big swings, throwing big money, packaging together contracts, and pursuing these top-heavy teams that are then filled with all of the veteran minimums and MLEs, et cetera. But from Cam Johnson's perspective, he can make things very easy for the Brooklyn Nets or very difficult because it's already been reported from Sean Marks. They know, saying uh, Cam Johnson and his team, how we feel about him and that we want him here. Cam Johnson has said he's, really enjoyed his time and the people that he's worked with in the organization after coming over in the trade. And we know his relationship with Mikhail Bridges. And we also know that right now over on Bleacher Report, he's being listed as the 10th highest ranked available free agent in this upcoming offseason. But the question becomes, what is Cam Johnson capable of being if in the short term, as in the upcoming season, 
you have to look at him, and I mentioned Nick Claxton there, because those are the two, the 2A, the three best players behind Mikhail Bridges. And initially, when Cam Johnson came over, we'll do this in reverse order here. When he came over, you had your questions about it. And there's a key quote, actually, from Bleacher Report that I thought is telling about expectations versus what we as the Brooklyn Nets fan base, what you as the fan may want, what the organization may want or expect from him as you prepare to offer him a 20-plus million dollar contract. Go to the last four games that he played, which were, of course, the sweep against the Philadelphia 76ers in the playoffs. Now, the last game is not a shining example, four of 13 and just 11 points. But what you loved about it was that this is a kid that showed up with 18, 28, and 17 over those first three games. And he did it in a way that you would want to extrapolate. 63%, 57%, 58%, from the field. From beyond the arc, 66, 45, and 40%. The one of six performance in that final game. A game that, by and large, felt like, you know, the Nets saw the writing on the wall, as we all did. But three out of those four high-leverage performances were exactly what you wanted him to be. Now, does he need to be a closer to 28th and to 18 in order for this iteration of the Nets to be a more dangerous roster going into the playoffs next season, adding in talent through the draft? And we'll talk about that coming up as well in the week ahead. Yes, he does, most likely. But the floor has to be set at being an 18 to 20 point score. And the reason why we talk about the playoff performance first is because just like with Mikhail Bridges, we went into the playoffs saying we want confirmation that he can be a player that can lead this team. Well, likewise for Cam Johnson, he came over from Phoenix with Mikhail in the Kevin Durant trade. And when we go back to the regular season on him, there's really nothing to, to scoff at as far as saying, oh, well, can he step out from underneath it? He went from average 25 minutes per game with Phoenix over his career, almost effectively, going all the way back to 2019, uh, 20, 22 minutes, but steadily built up. Averaging 25 minutes, he averaged nearly 31 for Brooklyn. The only big difference that we saw, and the most damning difference that we saw, is on a slightly higher volume, two more shots per game, still shot nearly 47% from the field. And the three-point shooting, however, coming over from Phoenix to Brooklyn, did not increase maybe in the same way that you would expect it to. Five more minutes on the court, but only averaged basically a half of an attempt from beyond the arc more per game. And he hit it at a significantly uh, lower margin. 40, 45% coming over from Phoenix, 37% when he got to Brooklyn. And I mentioned that because we'll go through some of his other stats as well. But as highlighted on Bleacher Report when they're talking about him being one of the top free agents that's going to be available. Quoting here on uh, other teams that have mentioned here, Bleacher Report made this encapsulation, let's call it, on Cam Johnson. Cameron Johnson has shown a little more off the dribble pop this season, and his size makes him a decent defensive option against both threes and fours. It's the versatility that we like bringing him back over in the trade. But his biggest value remains as a catch-and-shoot threat. For his career, he's hit 39% from three-point. This season alone, his catch-and-shoot effective field goal percentage was 61.9. So the incredibly positive thing there is the effective catch-and-shoot percentage, almost 62%. So the catch-and-shoot value is there, obviously. However, the concern that I would have, and I think the Nets fans would have, 
while he doesn't fall into the same category in terms of overall skill set and value, et cetera, expectations, his age, that he can still be growing as a player. We all know that in the previous iteration of the Brooklyn Nets in the superstar version of the Nets, Joe Harris was a guy making 18 to $20 million whose sole value, whose greatest value was being a spot up shooter from beyond the arc, right? We need a perimeter shooter that can create that space and knock down those opportunities. And while Cam Johnson, if he's going to be on catch and shoot 62% effective field goal percentage, yes, I want him to be doing that, but it cannot be the version of it where he is a glorified three and D that's not going to be good enough in this iteration of the Brooklyn Nets. And it's also not going to be good enough to justify what was expected or at least was discussed as 16 to 18 million per year uh, that the Phoenix Suns were offering on an extension for him going back prior to last season versus the expectations that he's going to earn somewhere around 20 to 22 million on the open market this offseason. And the Brooklyn Nets would prefer to be able to match that and bring him back into the fold. If you're going to do that and occupy that money on the books there, he has to be someone who, by the way, also got to the free throw line three and a half times per game after coming over from the Phoenix Suns to the Brooklyn Nets and knocks it down at 85%. He has to do more off the dribble. He has to be able to penetrate and attack at the basket. And it's also something that did go away, by the way, in the postseason. In spite of some of the things that we liked about what he did, he only got to the line under two attempts per game for the four-game series. Now, it's a very difficult matchup, and the Nets aren't the perfect team, so the way in which you can effectively attack at the basket looks a little bit different. But he needs to take the next step in his game if he's going to be a 20-plus million dollar cornerstone piece along with Mikhail Bridges and Nicholas Claxton for this team going forward. We'll get into more of what's going on around the NBA from a CBA standpoint and why it becomes even more critical for Cam Johnson to be a key component of the net success because they can't simply go out and pursue the Dame Lillards and package up contracts. Those big swings are going away from the NBA building organically is what the NBA I think wants more teams to be doing. And the Nets, in a matter of speaking, are possibly in a position to be on the front wave of that as opposed to the back end, which we discussed about them with their big three attempt. We'll get into all that coming up here in a second. But first, my friends, we got to tell you about our other friends. And that would be game time. Set at the top of the show here, game time is obviously the way you want to go when it comes to getting last-minute tickets and getting the best deals possible. That's because, by the way, if you want to go over there right now, as we'll discuss, and take a look at getting your hands on some tickets for tonight's New Jersey Devils game. That's right. It's game number four. I was at game number three. It was 8-4. You think there's not enough scoring in other sports outside of basketball? No, my friends. You get over on the Game Time app, and you are going to be able to buy tickets to your favorite events. Then they don't need to be stressful. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. And that is going to be at the Devil's Game, my friends. Flash deals on the last-minute tickets. I go over there right now. Devil's Game. I can get a flash deal. It's on the court. 
170 bucks. I can be in the lower bowl. And on top of that, if I go ahead and do what we always tell you to do, and that is use the promo code, my friend. You can get the images of where you're going to be sitting so you know exactly what your seats are going to look like. You know you're going to be able to get the best deal because it's guaranteed to give you back 110% of the difference if you find a better deal elsewhere. So you go ahead and download the Game Time app. You create an account. You use promo code LOCKEDONNBA, and you get $20 off of that flash sale price that I just mentioned to you on your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. And redeem code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. It's last minute tickets. It's the lowest prices guaranteed. Oh, baby. Guaranteed. Guaranteed to have a good time at that Devils game. Maybe you'll even see me there. But the other thing that we want to talk about here is the CBA and why Cam Johnson becomes critical to what the Brooklyn Nets want to do here. So, on a, just on a very high level, I don't want to get too in the weeds on this, but uh, as highlighted and all discussed by Eric Slater, who does a great job not only discussing the Nets, but also kind of framing things like this around the NBA and the evolving CBA. So he mentions bookmarking the term second apron because that's what you're going to hear a lot about and is now being built into the next CBA. The second apron is going to be set at $17.5 million above the luxury tax. The first apron had been set at $7 million. So, Going into next season, $134 million will be the salary cap. The luxury tax is $162, and that second apron will be $179.5. Teams above that number, which, yes, as you would assume, the Brooklyn Nets would have been over these last handful of seasons, are going to have even harsher penalties than previously being assessed. A couple other footnotes that I thought were interesting about this, and we'll tie it back into Cam Johnson and to the Brooklyn Nets' success going forward. Starting in the summer of 24, uh, teams above that second apron cannot aggregate multiple salaries in a trade for one single player to make uh, making more money. This would have prevented the Nets from making a trade for James Harden. They will also lose taxpayer mid-level exemptions. They would have, That would have prevented the Nets from signing Patty Mills during the 2021 season. Is that a good or bad thing in hindsight? Who knows for sure. They cannot sign a player waived during the regular season if that player's pre-waived salary was larger than the non-taxpayer mid-level exemption. This would have prevented the Nets from signing Blake Griffin back in 2021 and Goran Dragic in 2022. They can't trade their first-round pick seven years out. For example, teams coming into this season will not be able to trade a first-rounder in 2030. All of these things, including teams exceeding the second apron and remaining and the remaining two to four subsequent years, its first-rounder seven years out will be moved to the end of the first round, regardless of record in that season. Okay. Pause there just to say all of these things are constructed to prevent. It's not just the Brooklyn Nets, what every team tries to do, right? Bad contracts, wanting to move off of them, making salaries match. It can't just be that you smush together three $20 million salaries and say, that's Dame Lillard, $60 million. Let's go get him. And we talked about this at the time when the Nets were making the move to try to form the big three, the super team. And saying you could already see the writing on the wall around the NBA that teams in general were kind of going away from that model because you do get caught into this desperate kind of mode of filling out the rest of your roster. And if the high end talent either doesn't perform, which went on the court was not the problem for the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. But what about injuries? What about issues that prevent them from being on the court? All of a sudden you end up with this skeleton crew 
that you cannot rely on with consistency. And I think it, it just exemplifies why it's so much more important. And you can look at the NBA playoffs right now and what teams that have built organically or have drafted the players that they have across their rosters or ones that have just kind of done it in a way like the Miami Heat. You have Jimmy Butler. That's a hired player brought into that group, but he's been there for a number of years now and is effectively the face of that franchise. You have Bam Adebayo. That's a player, the homegrown. Hero is currently injured, but that's a guy that you drafted in. Robinson, you brought in Kyle Lowry, but you're you're filling out this roster in a way that has kind of balance, right? That has some depth, that has some value from a skill set standpoint as you move down the roster, as opposed to what we saw with the Brooklyn Nets over the years. Taking a flyer on a Blake Griffin as a buyout guy, LaMarcus Aldrich, having to go down, and, and, and quite frankly, maybe hitting at times, on a quality player like a Bruce Brown then making the mistake of not bringing him back. But the point is that the Brooklyn Nets are are entering an offseason and entering a new era for the NBA where it's not going to be as simple as saying, do the Nets want to go pursue a big-name superstar player to bring in with Mikhail Bridges? Maybe they do. But it's going to be a lot more restrictive and it's going to be a lot more damaging from who you have, uh, from who the Nets can keep around them. So right now, they also do this, they also use the example here of having a player like Bridges, who obviously is just over twenty million on the books for the Brooklyn Nets, is incredibly beneficial for them. However, with Nicholas Claxton, just another year away, next off season will be when he comes to the table for his new contract. We talk about Cam Johnson and his contract. All of a sudden, if the Nets wanted to pursue something for Dame Lillard. You'd then be sitting there looking at having almost 50 million for Lillard, 23, 20, and 20 going into next offseason potentially for those four core players of this team. So you'd have 112 million for those four players. And then you have the Ben Simmons $40 million expiring contract. And maybe you want to do something with, try to move it off the books. But the problem is You'd be sitting there if you can't move it at nearly 160 million in salary for their starting five and leaving just 19.5 million below that second apron to fill out 10 spots on their roster. So, all of that to say, Cam Johnson and Nicholas Claxton, we'll talk about him eventually. They need to be, he needs to be a player that takes the next step forward. And I'll go back to that line that they used about him here, which was, has shown a little more off the dribble pop this season. And his size makes him a decent defensive option against both threes and fours, but his biggest value remains the catch and shoot threat. Yes, that can be the most dangerous part of his game, but he needs to be a consistent 18 to 22 point scorer. And he talked about how Mikhail Bridges, when he took this big leap forward in Brooklyn, the end of the season, when asked, Cam Johnson said, yeah, it may seem surprising, but when I see him hitting those mid-range floaters, when I see him fading away, when I see those moves on the court, I remember watching him all offseason, rep after rep after rep, working on those so that when the time came, It was going to be second nature, right? The dedication just to get being better. This is what every NBA player has to do. 
the dedication to becoming a better player. Cam Johnson needs to be dedicated to becoming a better player. The free throw shooting is there. The perimeter shot is there. Now it is about you need to be able to show up in moments when the matchups are right. It's not going to be everyone, but there's going to be matchups throughout the year. And then when it comes to playoffs, most critically, when you can go and win the one-on-one matchup, and that can result in driving the lane, drawing the foul, and getting to the line, sucking in the defense, and being able to kick out to other perimeter shooters or to Mikhail Bridges or dropping it off to Nicholas Claxton as he fills the lane. You have to be a player that is probably 15, 10 to 15% higher than the value you showed coming in the door. And you have to be that player consistently night in, night out. Because if you're not, one, Nets fans will be freaking out about that contract, which rightfully so. And two, the Nets aren't going to go anywhere in the short term because the draft will come up. The Nets will take two players. Maybe they'll package and move up to one. Up, up higher for one player, not up to number one pick. They're going to add more talent here. But in the short term, they don't have a lot of flexibility from a cap standpoint. And I don't think that Sean Marks and Joe Sire are going to overcommit in free agency or look to make that seismic move, packaging up contracts all over the team, even if they move off of some of them. It doesn't mean that they're going to have that now in the new CBA, one-to-one dollar to bring in a player of a higher caliber. So, so much of this is going to fall on Cam Johnson and what he's capable of. Let's tie a bow on this conversation around Cam Johnson. Let's remind you that Doug Norrie is going to be coming up later this week with an absolutely excellent conversation with a very special guest. You're going to want to be around for that on Thursday. And we'll continue to talk tomorrow about the upcoming lottery uh, on May 18th, which will give us a sense of where things stand from a draft perspective and some of the buzz, by the way, around the Brooklyn Nets and moves that they may make. But before we do that, my friends, we've got to talk to you as we always say, about our other friends over at Prize Picks. That's because you know that Prize Picks is, of course, a great time during the playoffs, especially where they have a $1 million daily super flex rocking opportunity for you, the fan. Every day of the NBA playoffs and finals, Prize Picks users, one of them, very lucky one, will win a chance to become a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given six pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks, $1 million. Five correct picks, $80,000. Four correct picks, $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. Uh, listen, guys, I like my chances. I like your chances. I say let's take the easy road and all become millionaires. Or at the minimum, you heard it here from me, so why don't we split it on the back end? Yes, you know that Prize Picks is, of course, daily fantasy made easy. It's not you against all those sharks out there. It's just you against the projections. As we said there, same way that you win the million-dollar prize potentially is the way that you play it all the time. You go ahead and you make your selections two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize projections, you can win 25 times your money on an entry, or you can go ahead and have that million-dollar prize. Or don't be greedy. Take the 80000 It's all good. 
we're not, we don't need it all, but something wouldn't hurt. No competing against other people, just you versus the projections available. And prize picks, of course, it's not just NBA. They have projections on any sport you can watch, including NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and so much more. You go ahead and download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com. Sign up today and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, you get $100. You deposit $50, you get $50. And on down the line, you can go. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of $100. All right, my friends. This is the end. The very end, my friend, of this particular episode, but not the end of our discussion around Cam Johnson and his importance to this team. So then the question becomes, I think, ultimately, is can he be that guy? Tenth best free agent on the market. So what's the threshold for the Brooklyn Nets? And it's funny. Because you go back and you think about Cam Johnson, 20 million. Now the Brooklyn Nets, they spent 20 million on Joe Harris. And and when we know, we went down the defending Joe Harris road for a number of seasons. And it was much easier to do, by the way, when he was a supporting member on a superstar, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden-led team. We saw what it wasn't, right? And maybe what it's never going to be again for him. And the most damning component to it, what it's not when it comes to playoffs. But the Brooklyn Nets spent 18, 20 million dollars on him. What team out there is going to have the financial ability and willingness to submit an offer to Cam Johnson for 22, 23, $24 million a year? Maybe, you know, and how far are the Nets willing to go? When we look at this roster as currently constituted, we know where it stands, right? The starting lineup is Dinwiddie, Bridges, Johnson, DFS, and Claxton. Now, we'll get into what maybe they should try to do with Dorian Finney-Smith this offseason. We highlighted the mistakes potentially made at the trade deadline by Sean Marks when it came to Dorian Finney-Smith, maybe when it came to a Royce O'Neal as well. But as it stands right now, Cam Johnson inside that starting lineup. Okay, lock him in. Think about the second unit right now, and and include Dorian Finney-Smith in this because we don't know what the Nets might do. But Seth Curry, expiring, he's going to be gone. Joe Harris, it's a little more interesting just because how how do you dump that salary, right? It's becoming more restricted to have these things uh, processed that way. You're not packaging up that money into a a deal of your liking. Um, But he's going to, you would assume, somehow be off these books. Royce O'Neal, again, I think he's a veteran. I happen to like him a lot. I think the skill set makes sense. If you could move him for a draft pick, yes, I, I wouldn't scoff at it. I also wouldn't be terribly upset if he was still on this team and then dayron sharp i'm leaving cam cam thomas out of this discussion right now just because we don't know what's going to happen there maybe he gets moved too but but the point that i'm making here is there's nothing the second unit of this roster i don't know what it looks like yet you know edmund sumner cam thomas yudawada nabe <laughs> moses brown you know i mean we don't know we really don't know. And the draft is going to help here. We know we know that much, right? At a minimum, you're going to get two mid-20s players that can significantly help this roster going forward. But how quickly? 
can they immediately be second unit guys? I don't know. What are the veterans of the Nets are maybe going to go pursue on minimum deals in free agency? I don't know. Is Ben Simmons, who we just talked about, maybe going to play for our team Australia, who as a closing note clarification, while he was not put on that roster at the moment, there is still an opportunity going forward for him to be added to that roster, just as a matter of, of, um, of note. But the health is not fully there yet for him to be added. Is he going to play? If he plays, then that significantly changes things. But until all of those question marks get answered, Cam Johnson, second, third best player, Mikhail Bridges, Nicholas Claxton, Cam Johnson. And Cam Johnson needs to, because of his two-way ability, cement himself in this current iteration as the second best Brooklyn net behind Mikhail Bridges. Not to be knocking Nicholas Claxton, but that is what Cam Johnson needs to be. We'll find out in short order if he can be that for the Brooklyn Nets. And all of this is just a reminder that getting away from the superstar era is painful in its own right. Moving on from the superstar era is not going to be immediate. And most fans, I think, should look to a Nick Claxton, to a Cam Johnson, to a Cam Thomas, potentially, if they ever let him play. As someone who is the most likely path forward for the Brooklyn Nets to progress and win. I don't mean it's the best option, the ideal option. I'm not knocking Cam. I like Cam Johnson, and I'm not going to be shocked if he does take that little that little leap forward. Maybe not the seismic leap we all saw from Mikhail Bridges vaulting himself into a top X player conversation. But I think Cam Johnson can take that next step in his career. That's what needs to happen for this team to be good in the short term. Not dreaming on big, wild swing trades for superstar players from other rosters. Not demanding that Cam Thomas go from being a guy the organization seems to struggle wrapping their head around wanting to play and what he can do to saying he's going to be a day one starter in the backcourt. Maybe it happens. Cam Johnson's right there in front of you. So we'll see how that unfolds. Like I said, you got Doug Norrie going to have a great interview coming up on Thursday. We'll start to talk about uh, some of these conversations around the rumors for what the Nets may want to accomplish on draft night as well to be able to go up and target a specific player that they like and one, hopefully, that they believe can come in day one and start to impact this rotation and this roster. In the meantime, you get over to YouTube, you like it, you subscribe it, you turn on those alerts so you know when we're going live. We haven't done a lot of those without post games, but you always want to see when the episodes are getting up there for you, obviously on the podcast feed as well. And as we always say, with no Doug Norrie, there is no quote short of saying that I miss my friend, and I can't wait till he's back here so we can keep talking all things Brooklyn Nets basketball.